Hey everyone, this is James Mackey and welcome to the Breakthrough Hiring Show. Join us as we cover high-level thought leadership and step-by-step guides on how to make people a competitive advantage for your organization. I'm incredibly proud to be the CEO of Secure Vision, the sponsor of this show and the number one contract recruiting, embedded recruiting, and RPO firm. A thank you to our partners, Greenhouse, the hiring operating system for people-first companies, and GEM, the all-in-one hiring solution recruiters love. Let's go! Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Town Acquisition Trends and Strategy. Today, we are joined by Monica Poole-Knox. Monica, thanks for joining us today. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to speak with you. And, and before we jump into the topics that we want to talk about, I was hoping you could tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I am a California Bay Area native, which gets me in a lot of trouble being in Seattle and rooting for the 49ers. <laughs> um I, uh, I started my career out in telecom. So um, it's kind of, you know, a time where we were doing some really cool things in, in telecom that was kind of tech-ish like uh, and uh, did, did a stint in entertainment, uh, worked for PepsiCo with CPG company, but then found my way back to, to tech. So, um, you know, I've worked for a variety of companies, uh, you know, big companies like Sony, um, you know, like Microsoft that you heard of. Um, you know, in smaller companies like Twitter, although that's considered a large tech company, and then most recently, uh, live person and imperity. So a variety of, you know, mostly public, uh, had a private experience, and um, typically global um, tech organizations that are growing. Yeah, I, I think I've pretty much heard of every single company you worked for. So it's uh, uh, definitely really impressive. And, and I know that you have so much great insight to share with everybody today. So uh, thanks again for being here. And I, I think, you know, just to, to recap, you know, we can start kind of big picture, kind of what you're seeing out there in terms of talent acquisition. Um, and then we can maybe kind of hone in on some tactical things that leaders can be doing to achieve great results. But um, just at, at a high level, I, I would love to get your thoughts on what you're seeing in the talent, uh, the talent acquisition uh, recruiting kind of market right now, particularly within tech. What, what are you seeing out there? What trends are you seeing? Anything that any insights that you could share with us would be super helpful. Yeah, Sure. Well, let me maybe set the context, you know, a little more broadly, just in this whole space of talent, because I think that with the pandemic, it's a time that we've obviously never seen before that's put this interesting demand on the talent function. Um, You know, there are so many things happening in the world and, you know, that we live in and, you know, we don't leave our experiences just outside of the doors of, you know, the, the virtual doors of our companies, right? We, we bring them in with us. And so whether you're talking about, you know, the Me Too movement, um, you know, this recent uh, Supreme Court, um, you know, leak about abortion rights, whether you're talking about Black Lives Matter, Asian hate crimes, mental health, um, you know, the war in Ukraine, like there are so many things that people are emotionally dealing and struggling with. And when kind of these systems fail, right, you know, the government, maybe we get, maybe we look for some solace in the government, but maybe look for solace in our communities. And we haven't been able to come together for the last two years until most recently. So those that even coming together with family has been challenging. Maybe we look for some solace within our uh, you know, church and faith. And again, you know, challenges of coming together that may or may not work for us. And so what happens is we tend to take those needs that we have into our into our offices, into our employers. And on the, all of a sudden, the role of HR has really evolved and it's become 
not just about, you know, uh, running the business with a strategic mindset around talent. It's really helping people deal with real issues that they're bringing into the workplace that are having an impact on their productivity. And so it's the most challenging time, I think, that I've ever seen in my career to be in this function. And it's interesting that we're seeing people moving out of HR, um, you know, uh, like at an unprecedented rate, because it's just challenging. It's just hard. And leaders are looking up and they're saying, oh, my gosh, you know, if I haven't had a talent leader before, I really need one because I don't know how to manage through some of these issues. So, you know, this is kind of the more broader context around kind of this what's happening um, as relates to overall, you know, people and talent and culture. Um, More specifically, James, as it relates to your question with talent acquisition, um, because of, you know, this environment we've been living in, and we've proven that we can actually do quite a few jobs uh, remotely that perhaps we weren't sure we could do before uh, and do them quite well. It's really opened up the aperture for companies to look for talent, you know, anywhere in the world, quite frankly. Um, You know, very progressive companies are saying, hey, you know, we might be sitting in um, Colorado, but if you live in Spain, that works for us and vice versa. I'm seeing that. Um, and so what it's done is just create this ultra competitive market. Um, one, it's competitive because now companies that may not have considered talent due to geography uh, are rethinking that. And so they've just got more talent to consider. On the other uh, you know, hand, uh, you've got you know, folks who um, have more options to think about. So you know, maybe in your local market, if the pickings are slim for what you want to do, you don't necessarily have to be limited to that. And so it gives the candidate a lot more options too. So it's it's a really insane time. And I have a feeling that, you know, MBA programs and business schools around the country will be looking back and writing history books about it. Having said that, I don't think there's necessarily a book ending to this. I think that, that what we're experiencing uh, is a shift, a real shift in evolution um, in business and talent. And uh, I actually think it's for the better. I think so too. And I, I, one of the points that, that you made was talking about how challenging it is to be in uh, any type of people function, whether that be traditional, more so HR or talent acquisition. Uh, but it's also, it's, it's a time to, to make a significant impact. It's a time okay. where actually talent acquisition and people functions really matter and are being pushed front and center. Um, so it's, it's definitely, as you said, it's, it's, it's incredibly challenging, but really, I think that that's going to be the the difference for companies that you know, win or lose and are able to um, really take advantage of, of growth opportunities over the next few years. I mean, and it's not just, you know, small organizations making these shifts yeah. to remote. I mean, you see companies like Airbnb coming out saying that you can work from yeah. anywhere in the world. A lot of smaller companies were saying, hey, we did that two years ago. But yeah, right, right. We've been doing that. <laughs> right. The reason, the reason it's important is it shows that like bigger tech employers are recognizing the importance of a people first culture and that we're kind of moving beyond a phase where uh, companies can just provide that as kind of lip service saying, hey, we, we actually care, you know, we care about people, but, you know, then they have bad PTO policies or they have a PTO policy, but no minimum policy or their capacity planning is totally out of whack. So people don't actually feel empowered to take time off. And that's right. You know, I mean, you're starting to see a better alignment of, of people actually thinking about organizational structure and change from a people first perspective. Um, and I think, wow. you know, the companies that are are really achieving growth are obviously they need people to fuel that growth. And hopefully we're starting to see more and more companies understand this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are we are seeing more, but hopefully that trend is, is something that continues out there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, um, you know, it's, uh, it's every company says we value our people. I mean, you know, maybe there's somebody that says we don't value our people, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't run into a company yet that says we don't value our people or, you know, every company, people are greatest asset, right? It's kind of the oldest tagline that, you know, right. we've heard of, but yet, you know, kind of to your point, the, the operationalization of that is not aligned in a lot of cases. And so, you know, people in my function and in, in HR, you know, we have to be really careful about the companies that, you know, we align ourselves with because yes, this, this um, idea of being people first, you know, is really now becoming um, like, you don't have a alternative. Like there's, there's a demand being placed, you know, on businesses to evolve, to be people first. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's great. It's also putting a demand on the talent leaders to be creative, to be at the table, to lead, to take risks, um, to maybe do what's not the norm, because who knows what the norm is anymore. Um, You know, a lot of us are asking each other, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, we don't, there isn't like this, you know, kind of formula that says, you know, one plus one equals two, and this is what you do. This is how you do it. I still think we're living through this experiment of, you know, whatever it is, hybrid work, remote work. And I think, again, for, to your point, for a lot of, you know, smaller companies, tech companies in my industry, yeah, this is like, isn't a new concept. Um, but for other, uh, other industries, um, you know, I sit on the board of a healthcare organization. I mean, you know, there's some jobs you can do remotely and there's just some jobs impossible to do remote. And so how do you work through all of those things, even having a really clear set of criteria around what's remote and what's not, because, you know, there are a lot of people that ask to work remote. We have technology. If you are a receptionist, you know, at a, at a company and your job is to greet people as they come into the door, you actually can do that remotely. Like there's technology right. that enables that, right? Now, from a cultural perspective, the business might say, well, we, we prefer not to do it. But, you, but the, you know, what's happening is I think also the convergence of things like Zoom and Teams and really good technology uh, technology solutions that enable us to to be kind of anywhere in the world and still engaged. I mean, when I was at Microsoft, the last uh, assignment that I had was leading HR for a division called Mixed Reality. And my goodness, you know, I was sitting next to somebody in a room that wasn't even, that was a hologram of them. (laughs) So they were there, Um, you know, I just, they weren't physical, but they were hologram. I, you know, the, the technology exists where you actually you can do that. And I've seen, you know, companies that are moving into that space. And so with the convergence of technology and what we're able to do, it's driving some very interesting conversations uh, with business leaders and talent leaders. What if that's that's gonna be like the new version of hybrid work? It's like opposed to going in <laughs> office two days a week, it's gonna be your hologram coming that's in right. twice a week. Like, it's, all right, I'm not gonna be there, but my I'll, hologram I'll, will be there. Yeah, be, yeah exactly. Exactly. I think good middle ground. I mean, yeah, that's, that's funny. Uh, So I also, I, I'm kind of curious, I really want to get your take on the great resignation. Um, Obviously it's become like a very buzzy term and I was hoping to get your thoughts just based on your experience, the companies you've worked with and what, what is the data really showing behind the great resignation at this point in time? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I appreciate the question because, you know, I think it's also the great reshuffle. That's another terminology that we've heard. Um, But, you know, if you look at pre-pandemic levels of um, uh, 
you know, job changes and employment changes and, and, you know, the percent of um, maybe a trips that people have, uh, people had, and then comparing it to this time, you know, that we've had through the last couple of years of the pandemic, um, there, you, you do see this shift, right, where a higher percentage of people are changing jobs. Um, and yet, there's also some data that suggests that that's not actually um, that's not actually happening at the rate that maybe there's a, there's an assumption around. You know, there's some questioning around you know the data of of what we're seeing. Um, I think that it's important for companies to really look at their own data and identify whether you know there really has been a shift in the attrition of their own companies um, versus kind of playing into this narrative that, you know, we're hearing um, from this industry that says there's this, you know, like 10X or 4X or 5X, whatever times people that are actually leaving companies. I do think that that may be happening in pockets. I'm not sure it's happening, you know, at every company. So, you know, I I just think that people need to be um, really focused in on their own data uh, you know, data can be t- challenging, right? Because, you know, in some companies, data is clean, people, you know, talent leaders are using it daily. And then in other cases, the data isn't clean. But, um, you know, the, the other good thing, though, I think about this conversation around the, the great resignations is it's a challenge. Again, it's another demand in organizations, regardless of whether you're seeing huge spikes or not, to really think about, you know, how do we retain our talent? Um, you know, particularly with the diversity conversation, you know, especially in tech, I like no surprise, tech is not a, a, an industry that's known for, you know, ex, you know, exceedingly diverse teams and leadership teams. Um, but, you know, with the great resignation, um, I just think that it's, it's, you know, important for people to look at their own data and to, to be creative and think about, okay, versus hiring, 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 how do we retain, retain, retain? Like, you know, if we could just retain the diverse talent that we have, the talent that we have, um, what would be the huge shift that we would see um, versus having this focus on hiring? You know, it's harder to retain, you know, hiring, it's, 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 it's easier, it's more transactional and, and there's strategic work too as, as well, but to develop, you know, to retain means we're thinking about how we're thinking about our managers, the quality mm-hmm. of managers, right? Managers are the linchpin for any organization. Um, we have to think about how we communicate to people. We have to think about how are we growing and developing our talent, you know, um, People will leave companies even when they, uh, you know, they like the products and services and the mission and all of that. They like, you know, even their leaders. But if they're not growing, if they don't feel that their skills are getting sharper every day, they're going to go someplace where they feel like they can, they can, they can develop. And so, you know, we have to really, um, you know, think about the whole retention aspect. And then on the recruiting side of it. I think one of the things, the dynamics that I'm seeing is, um, you know, in this competitive market, that regardless of all, all, all those other things I just mentioned, right, the mission, the vision, um, you know, uh, and again, I think development's an important part of that. Um, but what I'm seeing is that candidates have a propensity to go to workplaces where they have relationships, 
You know, when I was at a previous company, we were able to scale, you know, our team, we, we tripled the number of folks within HR. Most of that was in recruiting at, at this crazy competitive time. And why? It was because, you know, people knew me, people knew folks on my, you know, directs team. And they, they were making decisions about who they wanted to work with from a values perspective. And this goes back to, you know, manager capability. But um, really thinking about, you know, who are folks within the organization that really have those broader networks and not even just a network of people they work with, because we all can look at LinkedIn and we can say, oh, I have this many people that I'm connected to. But it's really thinking about followership, you know, this another level of leadership. I think that's kind of, you know, if I think about, you know, kind of maybe a, a you know, a, kind of a, a ladder, if you will, or in my head, I'm, you know, visualizing maybe a, a pyramid, you know, kind of at the tip of that spear, as we think about levels of leadership, we see followership. And that's where people are so... Um, you know, they're so bought in to the values of the leader that they're willing to go where that leader is. That's where I think, and it's, you know, it takes some time to get there. That's another level of leadership and it takes a lot of training and work and development and all that. But I think uh, if you, if companies can get to that point and recognize that um, it is, you can cut through a lot of this competitive talent you know, um, issues. I think they have a good talent. They want to work with other good talent. And so that's another strategy. You know, we talked about the retention, but it's another strategy on the recruit recruiting side to really um, build teams quickly in this competitive environment. Right. I, I mean, I think you're right. Like just getting into the concept as, as you put it um, earlier in the notes that you shared was um, relationship-based recruiting, right? I mean, yeah. th- that, that is uh, key. And there's a lot of, a lot of people that come from the thought processes that they don't want to even hire, whether it be a VP of sales or, uh, VP of uh, people ops or whatever it might be. They don't want to hire people that don't have strong networks and don't have a list of people that they can call on to scale out a team. I mean, that's definitely, um, and I, I do agree. Like it's, 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 it's best case scenario. Like if you can hire a, you know, a, a company full of leaders that inspire uh, people to, to come on board, um, that's definitely, it's, it's super helpful. What I would say is how to, so if we wanted to think about how to put process around this for organizations that, maybe they want to um, develop, uh, they want to help their leaders develop. Is there, is there a way, like, I mean, I, I suppose um, one thing that leaders can be doing is obviously like publishing content on LinkedIn. They can be taking different speaking engagements. There's ways that they can build those networks and uh, potentially uh, strong relationships to, to add to their team. Even if it's, they don't have, you know, four companies that they worked for previously that they can pull relationships from, there's, there's probably other ways that they can develop that. And are you saying, do you think that organizations should put help leaders put more of an emphasis on, hey, what are you doing to strengthen relationships, kind of strengthen your own kind of personal brand, if you will, so that you can constantly have, um, you know, to some extent, a funnel of top talent readily available for you? Do you feel like that should be a bigger focus uh, uh, that organizations make to help their leaders? Yeah. Well, I think really two things. Um, I think, you know, the answer to the question is yes. I think it's two things. I think one is, you know, building your networks, right? And to your point, you can easily do that on LinkedIn. Um, You can uh, go to LinkedIn um, webinars. Uh, You can post content. You can get connected to groups and have a voice there. You know, like if it's a, a group that's, you know, and I encourage people to think about groups different than their own community, right? 
Um, you know, if you are not a part of the LBGT community, then get connected to a group that is to expand your network or, you know, a, a, a gender that's not your gender or, you know, ethnic group or other, you know, disability, like other experiences that people are having that you can learn from. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of a two-way thing, right? Because the more you get connected to broader networks, the more you're going to get a different perspective and learn and grow as a leader. And I always advocate for that. And I think that's a full-time job. I think you should always be doing that. I think this thing about building your personal brand, I would say it starts at home, you know, start with your own company. I don't know that you have to necessarily, you know, I, it, you can do that on LinkedIn for sure. But I think you want to start where you are because, you know, followership starts with people being bought into your values, being bought into you as a leader and, you know, the people you work with every day, regardless of whether you have a management job where you have people reporting into you, you know, or you're, you're just working with colleagues, um, they will experience you in some kinds of ways. And how do you, I think it's also just being true to yourself, right? You don't want to create some persona that's not really you. Um, but look, you know, you were hired at your company because you have a set of skills, but also you have a value set that people felt that uh, was an add to the culture. And so start where you are and just be, you know, be consistent, be intentional. Also, um, I think it's important as a leader to understand who is it that you're working with, you know? Uh, at Microsoft, you know, we started doing, uh, which is where I was when the pandemic hit, you know, check-ins, like you might spend 15 minutes, you know, 10 minutes, maybe, or 15 minutes, maybe, or five minutes, whatever it is, just to say, hey, how are you doing? That simple question can open up, you know, so many other kind of conversations around really what's going on in people's lives. And when you can really tap into real human and personal experiences, because look, you can say all day that business is not um, personal, but it is, it's very personal. I never understood that. Would, would people honestly, like, would people would say, Oh, it's business. Design. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, this is how, how we're spending like, you know, for like the majority of what my week is, is, is working and in, in, in with my colleagues and right. my clients, like it feels pretty, pretty personal. It feels pretty personal. <laughs> right. And to the extent right. that you develop those connections with people, um, and then, you know, you add on top of that, you know, the way that you're working and you're getting some good results and you're bringing people along, that's how you develop, you know, followership. So I would say, you know, start where you are and wherever you are. And it doesn't even have to be in a, um, you know, it could be in a volunteer setting as well. Um, you know, just be thoughtful about the people that are around you and really be thinking about their needs and, you know, providing clarity for them, understand their goals. I think it's fascinating how, you know, many managers, if you talk to and were to ask, you know, what is it that each of your direct reports, what are their goals? What are they trying to do in the next year or two? A lot of managers, at least in my experience, say, I don't know, we've never had that conversation. Um, but it means so much, you know, for a manager to say, I really just want to understand what is it that's important to you? What do you want to do in your career? You know, or even personally, how can I be helpful? Then you start to really tap into, again, back to that human side. Uh, and then think about that in the course of the work, right? Because let's say you have someone, I want to publish a book about you know, X, Y, or Z. You know what? I know of a publisher. Why don't you talk to this person to just start get some information? Um, that stickiness at a real human level that I believe starts the whole process of followership. Right. And I, so what's really interesting about that too, is I think a lot of companies, particularly at the scale that you've worked with in the past, um, 
you know, it's it, everything is is focused on you know process and operations and scale and and how do we move faster and how do we go bigger and how do we leverage our our time more effectively. And what's interesting is that it's regardless of what stage of growth my own company is at or with my clients, it always so many things come back to the relationship human level where there are just some things that you don't necessarily want to scale. It doesn't make sense to scale. Like you can't, you know, you can't have a deep relationship with, uh, you know, a hundred thousand people on LinkedIn. I mean, maybe sure you could develop a following for sure. And that brand can be valuable and it can help with talent acquisition. But as you just said, I mean, the real like relationship first approach, you know, it's like in HR, there's not to say that there's anything wrong with surveys, right? I mean, that those can still be valuable, but you're, when you really get in there and have conversations with your people, that's where you're going to really learn a lot of the most valuable insights and feedback. And I think whether it's, you know, it's more of an HR focus or talent acquisition or professional development or, you know, one-on-one setting between a manager and employee, like really diving into those uh, conversations is where most of the value can be found for, for everybody. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting because in a lot of the most you know, high level successful people that I speak with across, you know, it could be CPO, uh, COO, um, CEOs, or just, uh, you know, a function level executives, like maybe like a VP of sales or talent acquisition, they all really do point back to like, of course, yes. Like I need to understand operationally how to scale my function. Yeah. And at the same time, I can never lose my pulse on the relationships right. and, and, and it, like the the people that seem to to be the most successful that I've spoken with, it that's a very consistent message. It's like, yes, scale, yes to process, yes to all of that, optimizing and iterating and testing and all of that. But there's that 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 fundamental piece where it's like I still have to be able to you know virtually or in person talk with my team and really get into yeah. it and figure out what's going on. Yeah, that's right. I mean, one of the things that I did, um, you know, and as a live person. Uh, for that very reason, I would, you know, I started um, these small group we call them culture chats, and you know, um, we just sat down with like five or six people um, every week, and we just had a conversation. You know, we didn't have a big agenda, and here's the things we're going to talk about, and they were so valuable. And we identified like talent through that. I mean, you know, like. You know, you know, our employer brand leader was a part of those. And we featured some of our, you know, employers, uh, employees and, you know, different campaigns and, and we were able to pull them in for different projects and things like that. But it didn't start out with that. It started out with really just understanding what was the pulse of the organization. And um, it, it always took a different path. None of these, you know, small group meetings were the same, but, you know, over time we were able to talk to like half of the company by just simply being consistent. Sometimes we had, you know, two or three a week. Um, you know, sometimes they were larger. They may have been eight to 10 people. Um, but the point was to keep them relatively small so that mm-hmm. you could have some level of intimacy and talk about the things that were really important. Sometimes they were women. Sometimes they were, you know, it was our Australia group, you know, uh, people that's in a particular geography, uh, people who were, you know, newly hired. So that's, you know, or people have been at the company for 10 years, right? So, you know, there are ways to do that, but I would agree that it's so important to stay connected and it's hard as a leader, right? Because, you know, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, my client group at Microsoft of thousands of people, you're not going to have one-on-ones. Um, but however you do it, I mean, that was just what I described as an example of one way, but, uh, you know, thinking about how do we use technology as well, uh, I think is really important for leaders to prioritize. 
hundred percent. I I couldn't uh, agree more with you there. And you know, I, as we're coming up on on time, we have about five minutes left today. I, I wanted to um, touch on one of the the last topics that we we had discussed uh, potentially bringing up today, and it was uh, about how to think about ex employees and and potentially the full kind of employee life cycle, if you will, which I think at most organizations kind of ends when employment ends, but. Yeah. Um, some some of the higher level people that I uh, I've been speaking with, they they view it a little bit differently, and I'm kind of curious to figure out how how you view how that relationship can continue and how we should be thinking about essentially the alumni that that pass through our organization yeah. and move on. I mean, how are you thinking about that that employee life cycle? Yeah, I mean, um, given what we're experiencing now, and also I would even say prior to the pandemic, it's very common, you know, in Silicon Valley tech, you work for a place for two years and move on a year, three years, you know, in fact, it's kind of a joke if you stay too long, oh my God, you're here for four years, what's wrong? Can't you find another job, you know? So, um, you know, it kind of sounds a little different for people in other industries, but um, the point is, is that every company, you know, you keep keep going, you're going to have people who've worked there and who've left. And, you know, there is a mentality I've seen where, it's like, okay, you've left, you're dead to me, you know, um, I've seen that a lot. But then I think it's, um, when, with what we're experiencing, it's smart to just rethink the way we see people that come and go in the organization. Um, one of the things we see, like at Microsoft, we had a ton of boomerangs, people that left and came back. So you just never know. You never know when the person may leave and develop new skills in other places and then come back more um, valuable. Or um, sometimes you might see, you know, these folks who leave start their own businesses. Um, and are, is there a partnership there? Um, potentially, could they be a customer um, of yours or a place or a community that you can go and get feedback on new products or services because they, they work there and they cared, you know, about the company and probably still do and probably still have maintained relationships. So, you know, this idea that these, you know, when people leave the company, it's just this transactional experience, you know, they're here and then they're gone. I think we need to think about it more in an ecosystem. You know, um, those same people may be referring candidates to work for your company. And so how do you think about the ecosystem in a way that will help you, um, you know, get information, uh, get connected, that expands and broadens your network and potentially you know, who knows, maybe some of those folks will come back, you know, stronger, smarter, more experienced that can help you grow. So I I just think that, you know, rethinking that uh, idea of alumni or just that idea of alumni, what that Mm -hmm. means is a smart strategy for businesses. So, so one thing that I've been thinking through a little bit and, and secure is probably still a little bit too small for this, but uh, I'm I was just kind of like mulling around my head, just what, how would it work? Like if there was a, maybe some kind of official alumni group, right? That where it's like, it's like sponsored by the organization, right? And there's some kind of level of perks uh, to being part of the group. And it, it basically just keeps people that, you know, people connected that at one point had worked for, for a certain organization uh, and as kind of like a, a networking opportunity, as well as just a shared resource pool. Maybe there's like access to certain benefits, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I haven't really flushed it out completely, but I think that there might be something there. Um, yeah. Right. I don't know if you've ever heard of something like that. But. Yeah. Well, some companies have that. Some companies okay. you know, yeah. definitely already have that. I mean, and I think, you know, even on LinkedIn, you'll find, you know, alumni groups of different companies. I know I'm involved in a number of them and they're very, even just that is very helpful. But then you'll see some organizations that actually organize this, their alumni community. But of course, you know, it may take some resources, like it may take some 
some people dedicated to, to kind of, you know, shepherding that community and building it up. Um, but whether it's, you know, formal or informal, um, I definitely think there's some, uh, it's worthwhile to figure out how to leverage uh, that alumni community. And look, everybody that leaves a company is not going to want to stay connected to it. Maybe they left, you know, they left and they weren't happy about something. Um, that can change over time too, right? They may have left unhappy, got a perspective, and maybe, you know, will c- come around over time to really want to help and support the company. So, um, yeah, I think organizing in some kind of way makes a lot of sense. Sure, definitely. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and I feel like we could keep going for quite a while and just I know. Kind of <laughs> back and forth on, on a lot of different experiences. So, uh, if you're open to it, maybe we could continue the conversation sometime in the next uh, few months, three to six months, Absolutely. and we can do this again. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, anyways, I just, Monica, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a blast. Thank you, James. It was great to be here. And, and I guess real quick, actually, before we jump off, if people want to follow you online, where's the, where's the best place to find you? Professionally, the best place is, is LinkedIn. So okay. you, can, you can find me there and uh, you know, shout out, say hi. Uh, if you want to connect, uh, DM me as well. Great, great. Um, well, everybody uh, for, that's tuning in, thank you so much for joining us. And, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Breakthrough Hiring Show. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and gained a lot of valuable insights to help guide your talent strategy. I also want to say thank you to my team at Secure Vision for making the show possible. Secure Vision is the number one embedded recruitment provider, and we are a three-time category leader on G2. Secure Vision partners with over 150 companies to provide on-demand recruiters who specialize in either tech, revenue, or GNA. For more information, you can visit securevision.io. For more content, you can follow me on LinkedIn at James Mackey or on Twitter at James Mackey DMV. We've dropped links in the description. If you want to be on our show or have any topics you'd like for us to cover, reach out at breakthroughhiring.io. We really appreciate your support with reviews on Apple Podcasts. And lastly, make sure to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday for a new episode. See you next time.